0: Hi, I'm Matt McClory, lead pastor alongside my wife, Jill, here at Colonial Church in St. Augustine, Florida. wanted to welcome you to Colonial Church's podcast. We are a church that believes in Jesus and people, which means we believe in you. So why not today subscribe to this podcast and choose to grow your life spiritually and in all the other ways as well into everything that God has got for you. God bless you, and I hope you enjoy this episode. It's good to see you. If you've got your Bibles, you can open with me to 1 Samuel. Chapter 17, that's where we're going to be today in the text, but I'm just happy to be in church this morning. The fall temperatures have found their way to us, and it feels good, but is it a fake out? That's what I want to know. Is it a true fake out? Jill has primed me over the years to, don't get too comfortable, babe, don't get too comfortable. In about a month, it's going to be 100 degrees again. So are you there, 1 Samuel 17? This is a story that is a famous story. This is a story of David and Goliath. What's interesting is in 1 Samuel 16 is when David's anointed, and then it's 1 Samuel 17 that David is in this battle. But in this battle, there's so many keys that we can draw out for our daily lives. It's absolutely incredible. You could preach two years on this passage of Scripture Alone, But it says this in verse, starting in verse 1, it's the beginning of the scene being set for the battle after David's been anointed by Jesse, uh, by Samuel. Um, this is what it says. It says, Now the Philistines gathered the armies for battle, and they were gathered at Sukkot, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Sukkot and Azekar in Ephesimim. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah, and drew up in, in line of battle against the Philistines. So the scene is set for the battle. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his shield bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? And greatly afraid. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word today, Lord. Father, we're grateful for the opportunity to be in your house, Lord, to be in your presence. Father, to sing and to worship and to be with you. And God, we thank you for your word today. We ask, as always, Lord, that you would speak powerfully through your word, Lord. We thank you that it's in your word. The treasury of Scripture is so much for us to take away. And so, God, I pray that you would bless us today with your word. Speak to us, Lord. And Father, we thank you for Colonial Kids and the generations. Would you also bless them, God? Bless all the people that are volunteering in Colonial Kids. God, we thank you for everything that's happening for them as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Last weekend, we declared a brand new vision. I loved Vision Sunday last weekend. I was so excited about the the response and the way that we, as a church, gathered around the vision and just the expression of the vision and the way that it was... um, received, you know. I think for someone like me, it, and, and I know for Jill and I, we sort of go into that weekend with this anticipation of, of you know, is anyone going to get this? You know, is anyone going to understand what we're saying? Are we going to just be like speaking French and no one understands what we're saying? Or, or is it going to be something that everyone gets on board with? And there's always a tension in Vision Sunday, and I love that, and it's always amazing. God always reveals so much to me. Um, in those weekends. But I loved every part of it, excited to see the vision go forward. But I felt like the message last week wasn't done. We weren't done. So today, if you're looking for a title for today's message, if you're a title writer in your notes, uh, which I am, is As It Is in Heaven, part two. Part two. And As I was working through this, I could see what God was saying to me and what he wanted to say to us and so I began to write it down but it basically was this is that to become part of the vision that is going to go forward to play a part in the vision going forward there's a catch see we can go shop to vision sunday and be like yes this is awesome 10,000 decisions in the next seven years Building the church and believing to go to every neighborhood and every street. And it's just like, yes, that's awesome. But there's always a catch. And that's the cost. Vision costs something. And the thing about vision is that it's going to cost all of us something. And what I want to land on, what I feel like the Lord is is leading me to land on today is this, is that it means there's going to be a fight. See, vision, godly vision to see the kingdom coming is going to require a fight. I would just love for you to write this down. It's kind of our premise for today. This is sort of the theme of the message. Come on, write this thought down. Um, please, I just want you to take this in because this is the truth about the kingdom of God here on earth. For the kingdom to come, the enemy has to go. And maybe you've never heard a message like this. Maybe you're a new Christian or maybe you're new to a church like ours. I'm so grateful that you're in here today because I've been a Christian for over 20 years now, and this is absolutely true when it comes to moving forward in the kingdom of God. If 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 the kingdom of heaven is going to advance, the enemy has to retreat. You can't coexist with the devil. When it comes to sin in your life, when it comes to sin in my life, when it comes to the the driving out of the enemy, the overcoming spirit that God has called us to have, there's no cohabitation. You can't exist together. It's not like, think about a house. You live in the house. Could you imagine if the enemy lived in the house with you? It's not going to work. It can't work. It wasn't designed to work. So the kingdom... For the kingdom to come, the enemy has to go. He's got to go. He's got to leave. And Jesus has given us all authority to kick him out. Because you could sit here and be like, well, that sounds a little challenging. Didn't say it was going to be easy. But Jesus has said to us, I give you the authority to drive the enemy out. It's in Luke 10 and verse 19, Behold, I have given you authority, look at this, to tread on serpents and scorpions. It's not talking about literal serpents and scorpions. Although if that happens and you kill them by treading, let me know. That'd be awesome. I'd love to hear about that. But he says, serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. When the Bible says all, that's the Greek and Hebrew for all. All means all, everything. So Jesus has said, I give you authority over all the power of the enemy and nothing. Look at these words. Let the words of Jesus clarify things for you in your heart. And nothing shall hurt you. But why do we ignore this part of our spiritual lives sometimes? Because the truth is the enemy's got to be driven out, it's got to go. And the kingdom of the keys to the kingdom have been given to us. Now it's our job to take the land. But why do we ignore this part sometimes? And we go into our, our spiritual Christian lives and we walk through lives. And this is why I believe we do it, is because we forget about the spirit realm. We forget about the spirit realm and what we get is we get kind of consumed by the natural realm and the world that we actually can see with our natural physical eyes and we forget about the spirit realm. This is why we need the Holy Spirit because He bridges the gap and helps us understand what's going on in the spirit realm. And if we're not careful, we can go through life and just accept things, accept our plight, accept our situation, accept our poor health. Or whatever the situation is, accept the bondage or accept the depression or accept the things. And it just becomes our way of life. And then we start to live this lower form of spirituality that God never intended for us to live. It's our job to take the land, but sometimes we have to take inventory of our own lives. What area of your life could the enemy be occupying right now? And he needs to go. Could it be your family? Could the enemy be messing with your family right now? I'm going to ask you some, some serious questions right now. Could the enemy be, be messing with your company that you run right now? Could the enemy be messing with your finances right now? Could he be messing with your marriage right now, your relational world? Here's one that'll really hit home your kids oh, you better not get near my kids. I'm that kind of dad. And I know you are too. You're probably that kind of parents. Like, well, well you're not going to mess with my kids. Isn't it amazing how when it comes to, to our kin, what's closest to us, we get super protective. God has put that in us. But He's, he's also given us the wherewithal to know and to, to find out. But where is the enemy come in? We need to take in, inventory. How does the enemy come into our lives and occupy space? He does it through open doors. And our doors are often opened by our words because our words, listen to me, church, become our viewpoints and our viewpoints become our thinking and then our thinking becomes a stronghold for the enemy to work. That was excellent, by the way. (laughs) I'm going to say it again because I thought it was so good. How does the enemy come into our lives and occupy our space? Maybe you've wondered that. You're just like, well, how, how does it work? This is how it works. We leave doors open. How do you leave a door open? Through what you say, through the words you use. And then our words become our viewpoints. Think about it. You start to say things that are maybe negative or you know, maybe aren't true, but you're you're depressed or negative, you're feeling a certain way, you let your emotions take over, you say certain things, and then those things that you've been saying for a while become what you think, your viewpoint. And then that becomes lodged into our thinking, our mentality, and then that is what becomes a stronghold. A stronghold, the biblical definition for a stronghold is a way of thinking, a mentality that has become permanent in our lives. And that is the stronghold that the enemy uses to get in and mess with us. And then we wonder why we get depressed. Could it be because we haven't realized that there is a war going on? That the enemy is active and working and trying to steal, kill and destroy us. But Jesus always helps us and gives us the keys and what we must do. Let me show you Matthew ten sixteen, And I'm going to give us our three points for today. As we move forward into the vision. This is what Jesus said in Matthew ten sixteen. He said, behold, I'm sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Look at this. Jesus never leaves us hanging, ever. In the scriptures, in the gospels, he always gives us exactly what we're supposed to do. He says, so be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And I think sometimes in our Christianity, what we do is we do the second part real well. Or we go after that because we think that's more holy. That's more, that 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 that, that's a better thing to be. It's better to be innocent as doves than to be wise as serpents because we're just like, well. But he says to be both. Yeah. So if we're going to occupy the land God has given us, if we're going to go forth, is this going to be an as it is in heaven vision in the next seven years. Here's what we've got to know. Number one, write this down. Spiritual warfare is real. Yeah. Spiritual warfare is real. I remember my good friend Joel said to me one time, I'll never forget it. We were talking about the spirit realm. This way, he said to me. He said, The spirit realm is more real than me standing here right now. And I just remember being like, what did you just say? You're crazy, man. No, he said, no, it's more real. And what we do is the enemy is very good at at making us and getting us to think that we don't need to pay any attention to the spirit realm. But the reality is there's a warfare going on. There there is a war going on. There's a fight going on on the earth today. And we're a part of it. Just like there was a natural army that existed in the valley that day in the Israelites in 1 Samuel 17, there is a battle that's going on today. And I don't think we realize that sometimes in our own lives that we're in a battle, that a battle exists between the here now and the not yet. In between those two things is a battle, and it's the war of the kingdom coming to earth and the war for the souls of the lost. There is a war that's going on. There is, a, there is a spiritual battle that is going on. When you became a Christian, it's not like the enemy gave up on you. Because you were here. we were all in the family of the father of lies. But then we became adopted into the family of God. But the enemy isn't happy. It's not like he's just like awesome. This is so happy for you. No, it's the opposite. He puts a plan into place. He gets to work. He's trying to steal from you. He's trying to kill you. He's trying to take you out. One of the ways I believe that he does that is he makes us ineffective. He tries to distract us. He tries to make us uh, comfortable. He tries to get us familiar Look at what it says in Ephesians six and verse twelve. It says, "For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places." There's so much in there. Paul says this to the, to the church in Ephesus, a very evil place. He says this. He says, these, "This is what's going on, guys. It's says, rulers." There's authorities. There's powers. There's all kinds of battles that are going on. We just don't realize it sometimes. There's a battle that's going on right now over your spiritual life, and you're winning because you're here. There's a battle that's going on over your devotional life, but every time you open up the Bible in the morning and spend time with God, even if it's two minutes, you're winning. There's a battle that's going over on over your relationship with God. There's a battle that's going on over your marriage. There's a battle that's going on over your purpose. There's a battle that's going on all the time. The enemy is after you. And if we're not careful, you'd be like, no, there's no way. I mean, like, I'm, I'm good. I've, God loves me. He does. But the enemy hates you. And he wants to take you out. Spiritual warfare is real. And one of the things I I will say after seven years of colonial church is, I believe this more now than I did when we started. Because the spiritual warfare that Jill and I have had to encounter and our team have had to go through has been fierce to get to where we are. The opposition, you could look at us and be like, man, it seems like it's been smooth sailing. No. (laughs) There has been opposition, there has been obstacles. There have been things that have put it there. There have been situations that I've looked at and be like, oh man, that's weird. That seems like that kind of broke down and didn't really work out the way that we hoped. It wasn't that at all. It was the enemy trying to mess with the plans and purposes of God. He was trying to stop the advancing of the army of God on this earth. It's what his plan is always. So, number one, spiritual warfare is real. Number two, this is where it gets good. We are all called to enter. To fight and to overcome. Your calling in this is not optional. We are all drafted into the army of the living God. There are far too many believers who are sitting on the sidelines of the fight. Or even worse, they're walking through life thinking that there's not a fight going on at all. And that's deception. That's a spiritual blindness that exists. There's a fight that's going on. I I just want you to take, take this in. Christianity is primarily a personal relationship. That's how it starts. That's how it continues. And that's how it should be. But it quickly becomes a group project. And that's the church. That's the army. That's the military. We are part of the military of God. We are in a battle and we are all called to fight in it. We all have a part. We are called to fight in the war called the war of the kingdom coming to earth. See, we're New Covenant, New Testament believers, and we have a victory. We have a new spiritual aspect to our journey. So when we enter the fight, we have the great advantage, which is the Holy Spirit. But we enter the fight already as overcomers. This is why it's so important for us to know our identity. It's so important for us to know our identity for Christ in Christ that we're a new creation. The, the old is gone. We are new, we are new people. We are new people in Jesus Christ. So when we enter the fight, we enter as overcomers. We enter as people of grace. We enter as people who are forgiven. We enter with so much um, in, in, our, in, our, in our packs already that we know that we can win as long as we know the word. See, in the Old Testament, God's Old Testament people, they fought natural enemies. Today, we fight spiritual enemies. We have ruling authorities in this land that need to be removed, but they will not go without a fight. Every time the kingdom of God advances, the enemy retreats. Every time the kingdom of God takes a step back, the enemy comes at us. But we've got to be people that understand that we're called to drive out the enemy. In your life, you are called to drive the enemy out of your life. It doesn't happen in a moment. Think about the people of God coming into Canaan, multiple cities, multiple kings that had to be to be uh, taken down, multiple multiple enemies that needed to be driven out. But how did it happen? It happened one battle at a time, one season at a time, one uh, day at a time. We're all called to fight. We're all called to enter the fight, to 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 be in the fight. But the reality is, the enemy won't go without a fight. So here are some of the spiritual forces that are at work. Then I'm going to give us some, some ways that we can fight. Is this helping this morning? You didn't come to church thinking you were going to get this message today, did you? Thought so it was going to be nice and lovey-dovey. The dove's message, not the serpent's message. Give me the dove's message. Okay. Here are some of the spiritual forces that are at work in our land, in our area. I believe this part, this part of the world God has caused us to be, they're going to need to go. A spirit of bondage needs to go. That, to me, is um, spiritual slavery. That is a religious spirit. You know, a religious spirit just just cannot exist with us as the people of God. You'd be like, "What are you talking about? You're you're a religious minister? No, I'm not. I'm a relationship minister. I'm a, I'm a grace minister." We're Jesus followers. We're people of grace. A spirit of bondage has to go. A spirit of deception has to go. A spirit of depression has to go. A spirit of lawlessness has to go. A spirit of hopelessness has to go. Here's one that I personally believe has to go, a spirit of death, which results in people accepting the fact that there is no hope and people take their own lives. That is a spirit of death and it has to go. Because we come as people of life. We come with the author of life. And when the spirit of death is putting people down and causing people to be depressed, can I just encourage you, this is a fight we're in. It's going to take some of us to be fighters. It's going to take some of us to step up and say, you know what, I'm in. Put me in because I want to fight with the people of God. These spirits have a way of intimidating us to become a lesser version of the spiritual life that we are called to be in. Let's go back to our text. First Samuel 17. Look at verse 8. Look at what Goliath says to the people of God. I just want you to see it. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. Why have you come out to draw up in battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. You notice what's happening here? The enemy is taunting the people of God. It's exactly the same today. The enemy tries to intimidate. The enemy tries to deceive. The enemy tries to puff himself up in a way that makes you think you cannot overcome him. Look at what it says. It says, am I not a Philistine? That's Goliath saying, you can't beat me. In one part of the text, it says, and the champion Goliath See, that's what the enemy does. He tries to put on a show. He tries to deceive us. He tries to make us think that we don't have what it takes to overcome. But that's not true. That's a lie. God has given us. Jesus has already spoken the words that we have the authority. Come on, somebody. We need people to fire up today. We are all called to fight, to enter, to overcome, to believe. Because there was a fight going on. David knew it. Do you know it? Listen to the posture now that David had towards the enemy. This is what I love so much. And this is the faith that I believe God's giving colonial church right now. This kind of faith, David type faith. It's in verse 26. And David said to the men who stood by him, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? That's the language of the kingdom of heaven. Who comes against my God? Who comes against these people that are Christians? Who comes against the people that Jesus paid the ultimate price for? No one comes against people's, God's people. That he should defy the armies of the living God. I love that David is just like, what are we doing about this? Are we really going to stand here? Will I bring cheese from my farm so you guys can chill out and we do nothing about this? He says, we need to do something about this. And then David goes into battle and takes down the enemy. And I'm believing that in our church, in faith, that we're going to raise up spiritual giants, people that know how to take down the enemy through prayer, people that know how to take down the enemy in battle, in Jesus' name. So there's a fight going on. David shows up. Let me give us very quickly in 30 seconds ways that we can fight the enemy. Number one, we fight with prayer. Last week I talked about Matthew 6 when the Lord's Prayer, God's given us this guide for prayer in our lives. But in there it says this, deliver us from evil, from the enemy, from the battle. It says deliver us from evil. Prayer is our deliverance mechanism when we fight. When's the last time you fought in prayer? When's the last time you prayed prayers like this? Jesus, deliver me from the evil that's around me. God, protect me from my enemies. Father, go before me and be my rear guard. I wanna give you some words that I believe you can use that we see in Jude 1 and Zechariah 3. Whenever you feel like the enemy is attacking you, whenever you feel like the enemy's coming after your kids, whenever you feel like the enemy's trying to get at you, this is what you need to say. The Lord rebuke you. In Jesus' name. And you might be in a battle right now. We're going to pray in a moment, that God's going to raise up warriors. But we need to use these words, Lord, rebuke you. Enemy, get out of my life. You are not welcome here. Enemy, get out of my marriage. You are not welcome here. Enemy, you better stay away from my kids. The Lord rebuke you in Jesus' name. Those words, and I believe the power of God, the finished work of the cross, the blood of the Jesus. Sometimes we just need to plead the blood and just say, with the blood of Jesus Christ, I come against any plan of the enemy to overcome in my life. The Lord rebuke you. So we fight in prayer. Number two, we fight with wisdom. God God wants to give us tactical battle techniques. When we take down the land for the Lord in this next season of church life, we're not going to go into it blindly. We're going to pray and ask for wisdom. We've been praying and asking for wisdom every step of the way when it comes to buying buildings and coming coming up with a strategy and allowing God to give us a battle strategy. We're going to fight with wisdom. You need to fight with wisdom. If you're looking at taking down the enemy in some area of your life, you need to pray for God to give you wisdom. You cannot do it on your own. Proverbs 20 and verse 18 says, Plans are established by counsel, by wise guidance, wage war. We need wisdom. Number three, we're going to fight with joy. I love that David brought food. Like he brings cheese and, you know, he brings like a charcuterie board to the fight. Jesse sends him, he's like, you know, the boys need some food, you know. It's like halftime in the football match. Bring the oranges out. <laughs> but we're called to fight with joy. The key here is joy. How do we have joy? It's through singing. You know, you know we're singing people. We're worshiping people. During the wartime, First, uh, First and Second World War in UK and Europe, it was became widely known during depression, time of depression. One of the things that was so soothing and comforting for people in pubs and social situations was that someone would come in and start singing. Why? Because it brings joy. And we're called to be singing, worshipping people as we battle, as, as we go through tough times, as we drive out the enemy. Can I just encourage you? Worship is powerful. Worship brings about something on the inside of us that gives us the resolve. It also goes before us. When we worship, we send out spiritual forces ahead of us to bring the walls of Jericho's down in our own world. We've got to fight with joy. We've got to worship. Put the playlist on in the car. Work on that worship playlist. Get that fresh sacrifice in there called Worship. When it doesn't make sense, worship. When it seems like it's not actually doing anything, worship. We can worship through our battles. Number four, we can fight with the Word. The Word in Ephesians 6 verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, the only part of the armour of God, which is um, an aggressive instrument. It's the Word of God. We have to pray, but we also have to claim and proclaim the Word of God, the sword over our situation and the situation of others. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you printed out a verse and put it on your wall at home? Or your fridge, or your mirror, or you your, 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 your just plastered it up somewhere? Can I just encourage you that we need to take the Word of God and we need to understand this is a powerful weapon. And when we claim Scriptures when you put up those psalms on the wall, when you put up those proverbs for wisdom, can I just encourage you? This is you fighting with the Word of God. And you take down the enemy and you take steps forward. You advance with the Word of God. And then number five, we fight in community. These are the ways we fight. We fight it. We fight in worship. We fight in prayer. We fight with the Word. We fight in community. In other words, when we First, when we, when we pray, can I just encourage you should pray? P- pray. But then the next thing you should do once you've done praying is text your dinner party. Text your people. Gather the camp. Gather up your people. Text them and say, hey, I feel like the enemy is attacking my kids. Would you pray? And you watch the army rush in gather around you. Spiritual forces start to work in your favor and all of a sudden, bang, breakthrough happens. we got to fight in community. Sometimes we can go through life and the enemy just says, oh, they don't care about you. or that doesn't really help. That's not really going to help you. But can I just encourage you, if we get a revelation of the community of God, we get a revelation of the church and we fight this thing together, can I just encourage you, there is nothing the enemy can do. When we're together and we're unified and we move as one, Man, the enemy is going to have to move out of the way. We fight in community, but this is how we, we do it. Ultimately, our victory, this is my third point this morning, is this, our victory comes from and comes through Jesus Christ and nowhere else. doesn't come through my strength. doesn't come through my leadership. doesn't come through our ability to, 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 to do anything except call on Jesus and allow Him to be the one that gives us a victory. He's given us peace through his, his words. He says, the enemy's gonna come at you. But he says, take heart, for I've overcome the world. So why don't we stand together? I want to pray for us. And then we're gonna worship. We're gonna we're gonna fight in worship in a moment. But first of all, we're gonna fight in prayer. I just want to encourage you. If you're in a battle today, this is your moment. If you know someone in your in your in your world, in your relational world, in your dinner party, in whatever's going on in your world, this is your moment. Because this is where we pray together. The army is assembled right now. And the, the army is assembled all over the earth right now. And if we recognize there's a battle and we pray to that end and we ask for God to do what only He can do, which is to move in the power of the spirit realm, then I believe we're going to see victory. We're going to see victory in your family. We're going to see victory in your finances. We're going to see victory in your your marriage. Come on, somebody. We're going to see victory in your kids, in the lives of the people that are around you, in your spiritual life. So with every head bowed, eyes closed, if you're in a battle right now, or if you know someone that's battling right now, and it's the enemy, you know, just as I've been preaching, you just, it's just been... Illuminated to you, the enemies at work. You just lift up your hand wherever you're at. He's, he's always trying, but he can never win because we have Jesus. Holy Spirit, we pray right now that you would come, that you would do what only you can do. Father, we pray that you would come and you would give us the strategies, Lord, that you would give us the wisdom that it takes to overcome, to drive out the enemy, God father we pray that you would give us scriptures lord that you would give us songs lord that you would give us everything that we need father we pray for an overcoming spirit to break forth right now god we thank you that we come against the enemy in the name and the power of the lord jesus christ and it's in jesus name we pray amen come on let's worship together thanks for listening to that podcast we pray it blessed you